All right, all right, all right. You are listening to Castles and Cryptids, where the castles are haunted and the cryptids are cryptic as fuck. I'm Alana and I am here. (laughs) (laughs) We're here. We We made it. Doing it. Um, It's all right. I'm so glad this week is almost over. That's that's definitely a good thing because we're recording this almost on a Friday. <laughs> almost. I'm ready for it. So we're just talking I, about vacation. I close tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. Oh yeah. So you have to work late. Yeah. I have to call the government tomorrow and ask them for a password so I can get into healthcare system huh? so I can finish my training yay <laughs> um yeah I don't mind doing stuff I don't like calling people <laughs> like a true millennial yeah well mm. they were supposed to just send me one an email and they're like we're sure we sent it to you in this date and I thought to myself who the hell gave you my email because did they spell out my name for you <laughs> oh that's true. There's problems sometimes if I don't spell it out. Yep. They Same. don't get it. No. <laughs> yeah. I can watch them as I'm spelling it out and they'll finish spelling my last name wrong. And then I'll be like, nope. Right? Here's the curveball. <laughs> <laughs> Even somebody, yes, we have relatively easy names. I mean, mine's an extremely uh, common name. Everybody knows right? how to spell it. It's just everybody spells it the like North American way and mine's like the Nor Norwegian way I guess so okay a these days there could be like multiple ways people could spell Kelsey to be fair yes I have seen (laughs) S-E-I that's about the weirdest one hmm yeah that's that reminds me of Sensei Kelsey yeah yeah (laughs) Um, and then yes, Andrew. I remember with Anderson, I did have to ask you because I was like, oh, "Is yeah. it E or is it O N?" And then you were like, mm-hmm. it's "E N." <laughs> There's not too many of us um, no. out there that are S E Ns. I could see that. People tell me Peters is a pretty common surname, but then sometimes I'll just have to spell my first name because people will just assume it's Alana with one N. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. One time I had to correct the guy. He's like spelling it. He's like A L L A N A. I'm like, nope, one L, two N's. He's like, oh, okay. Well, he types it out. He goes, oh, that looks better that way. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Alana. <laughs> I think so. It's <laughs> nothing wrong. Alana all the time. <laughs> yes. De- yes. Depending on how you spell Alana, if it's spelled backwards, the word anal is in there. <laughs> Anala. <laughs> and my uh, uh my family, my brother, well, I guess not really my family, my brother and I just use our like names backwards for stuff all the time. So like okay. um yeah, I'll put yes Lex because <laughs> it's Kelsey yeah. backwards. And then my brother puts Savart because it's Travis. <laughs> nice. I feel like I've seen you and my brother do that on social medias once or twice. I um, it's not my funny. username on most things though, mm-hmm. but it will be if it's just a temporary like one-off thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I could see that easy 
to kind of remember. <laughs> yeah. It's like our go-to. Right. And there's not going to be maybe 10,000. Yes, Lex, but maybe 10,000. <laughs> yeah. It's bad um, when you got to start adding numbers to that. <laughs> oh, well, welcome to episode 59. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 59. Well, technically, because we had 258s and I would not let you Jeffrey title Dahmer. it 258s. I would think I changed it because I was like, we can't have 258s. My brain can't handle it. <laughs> it's 58 part two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, so technically we've probably done way over. We're probably on like 61 if we count like the bonus episodes. Like on Good Pods, oh, I'll yeah. look and it, it says we have like 61 episodes on there. And I'm like, do we? <laughs> but then it counts. Yeah, we have a bonus episode. We have yeah. part twos. I think it might count your trailer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've done like 60 regular episodes, man. Ooh, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. Nice. We're making our way to 100. I know. It'll be here before you know it. That's crazy. It's exciting. Hopefully, you know. We don't, yeah, we don't drop off like other podcasts and then we can only grow, right? <laughs> Tell a friend, shout it to the world. Um, but before we get started on our poison crimes, I have a fun news fact from this week. Or a fun little news story I ran across. Fun maybe being an operative word, but it, it's <laughs> it's a win in the fight that's currently going on against the Russians that have invaded Ukraine, as we all know, is happening in 2022 oh, okay. right now. Yeah. Not that we like to talk about politics, but this is really cool because the, the headline really got me. It's like schoolboy nicknamed hero of Ukraine held off Russian tanks using a toy drone. A toy drone like an aerial drone yeah like a non-military grade bought it oh, at okay. home he's 15 um yeah personal drone I guess I mean like it's for pleasure I don't know I guess toy drone is it's a weird connotation that they gave it <laughs> but um okay so this is just a, a a quick little article I found by Sean Seddon just to give the writer credit <laughs> so a 15 year old boy who flies drones as a hobby helped to prevent russian soldiers from overrunning kiev kiev it's, we don't want to say the russian kiev so kiev right oh, yeah okay like, yes. i don't know yeah it's come out that the ukrainian capital has been off has been the russian pronunci pronunciation for a really long time so oh. I guess if the more Ukrainian way to say it is Kiev and it's spelled K-Y, K-Y, I'm sorry, K-Y-I-V instead of K-I-E-V, like chicken oh, okay. Kiev, which we've yeah. used forever. Yes. Anyway, okay. I'm just trying, I'm terrible at trying to be up on terms, but that's how it's written here. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's why they did that. Um, so Andrei 
Pakrasa has revealed his role in the defense of the capital after being hailed a real hero, a hero of Ukraine by the military. Desperate soldiers trying to track the position of a column of troops and tanks heading for the capital did not have access to a drone in the early days of the invasion. His father got in touch with local defenders to tell them his son was skilled at flying one, had bought his own as a pastime and might be able to help. (laughs) I know, right? Every little bit helps. I mean, we got a drone. (laughs) What if your dad did that? You'd be like, okay. I mean, I'd be like, if I had a drone, I guess I'd be like, cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's arm this thing and shoot some rockets off of it. I'm sure he wants to make sure, yeah, his son's in a protected area, but it's awesome. Um, It says, not long after, the schoolboy, more used to skateboarding than military reconnaissance, (laughs) helped direct strikes against the convoy. The teenager told Global News, they provided us information where approximately the Russian column would be. Our goal was to find the exact coordinates and provide the coordinates to the soldiers. It was one of the biggest columns that was moving on the Zytomir Road, and we managed to find it because one of the trucks turned on its lights for a long time. That's kind of (laughs) cool. Ukrainian soldiers targeted the column and were eventually able to stop the march on Kyiv altogether. Commercially available drones have become a core part of the Ukrainian military strategy, as well as more advanced models developed by arms manufacturers. Um, Taras Trowayek, a former retailer, founded a Facebook group to coordinate drone owners in Ukraine who wanted to turn their hobby into a surveillance tool for the army. That's really cool. I mean, it's technically a pretty safe thing to do. Like, you aren't really risking anybody's life by flying drones. Yeah. That's awesome. And they've got a supply that you need and a skill, apparently, also. I mean, it's great that they could trust, you know, a young young person. Because so often they get discounted. Like, you're so young, you can't do anything, you know. Yeah, I'm surprised they're letting, honestly, I'm surprised they're letting the civilians continue to fly the drones and not like be like, okay, you can donate your drones to us and we'll use them kind of thing. I suppose, but like it's his, so maybe he just, he'll understand it better and they're smart enough to know that. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, It, it just has a couple more sentences. He told the Canadian outlet, I guess, Global News. If we didn't have such operators and drones who can help the Ukrainian army, I think Kyiv already could be occupied by Russian forces. The Ukrainian army has relied heavily on the Turkish-made Bayraktar TB2 drone, buying dozens in the buildup to the conflict. They have been central to some high-profile operations, including the reported strategy to sink the Moskva. I don't know what that is, a big ship? Hmm. Um, A first-of-its-kind crowdfunding operation in Lithuania in recent weeks saw more than 5 million uh, pounds raised to purchase one for donation to the Ukrainian military. Yeah, it looks like pounds. Lithuania. Lira, maybe? It's a weird symbol that looks like an L with a thing through it, so I thought it was... Uh, But Lithuania, maybe it's a Lira. Yeah, I'm like, 5 million pounds would be, like, outrageous for one drone. 
Yeah, that would be a lot in Canadian or yeah. US dollars. It'd be that? like more than $5 million Canadian. Could be like, yeah, seven and a half to 10. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd be like, that's a pretty expensive drone. Well, it's one of those weird money symbols that like, yeah, yeah I guess I was thinking of the pound, but it's kind of like a weird L thing with a thing in it. <laughs> Get at us, our freaking Lithuanian listeners. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we have a few downloads in weird places, but not necessarily yeah. steady listeners. Um, and finally, the Turkish man- Turkish manufacturer gifted the weapon for free when the fundraising target was hit. Oh, so they just gave the drone, donated it anyway. I'm just glad oh. to see all these fundraising efforts and all this <laughs> yeah. coming together. <laughs> That's nice, but yeah, it's Anyway, hopefully that's over soon because we definitely don't want World War III and don't want people just invading countries just because they think they can. (laughs) Yeah, it's a ridiculous thing to be going on right now. I mean, countries were as they were before and then they gained independence and then we shouldn't go backwards. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's one thing for a a country to fight for its independence, but this is the first mm -hmm. thing I remember in like a while where a country is like trying to like reoccupy. Defend it. Yeah, they have to defend their independence. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of a place trying to fight for independence, they're like fighting against occupation. Yeah. Ugh, that sucks either way, whether it's a long drawn out you know defending of your territory or fighting to get it back it's just fucked up yeah we're gonna just lighten things up with poison crimes though no (laughs) poison literally though isn't true crime sometimes just easier on your brain than politics it is for me (laughs) yes i'm like ooh, family dynamics sibling rivalry so-and-so murdered the other one cool Next. Although it might not be fair for me to call it politics when it's like war. So I, I apologize if that sounded a little, but yeah, it's just sometimes I do need an escape. And uh, sometimes my partner will watch a lot of politics on TV, especially in the mornings when I'm like getting ready for work. Yes. And I'm like, this is a little bit too much for me. And I, <laughs> talk I go to my parents right and I'm now. always like, can I turn <laughs> off CNN right now? I'm like, <laughs> My brother, hello, Daniel. He used to watch so much CPAC, which is like the Canadian CNN or the Canadian politics channel or whatever. Yeah, There's only so much I can take, especially when they'll be like, basically just saying the same thing for an hour straight every day. All I think it's harder when you're younger and stuff like that, you know, saying versus us versus parents and maybe older siblings watching things like that. It's like, I don't know when you're you're struggling I don't I don't always I'm like yes the gas prices are high do I care why or do I just want to am I just worried about how I'm going to pay it for the next two weeks like I can only have room enough for one or the other (laughs) yeah yeah that's fair I'd rather watch something a some stupid movie yes put on something funny (laughs) I've I don't know if I had told you, I've been telling you, I was, uh, my mom's watched it all the way through, but I'm watching Grace and Frankie. 
Oh, I have heard that's funny. Yeah. Holy shit. It's so funny. It'll be, <laughs> it's like up there on my obsession with it of like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and like Parks and Rec. Like it is like absolute oh. <laughs> gold. And wow. <laughs> if I could live my life to be half as hilarious as Lily Tomlin and Jane, Fo- Jane Fonda are. Oh man. Holy shit. This yeah, uh, the show is pretty so legendary. Funny. So funny. I have heard oh. that. I have heard that it's made me want to get into it. Um, I think it's one I of those it think... won't take much, and then no. you're like into it. <laughs> I didn't think it was gonna be such a thing, but like, yeah, it's uh the premise of like them basically having hated each other for 40 years, mm-hmm. but basically we're like semi-civil to each other because their kids kind of got along and then their husbands were like partners at a law firm and then they sit them down like Grace and Frankie at like a dinner so the four of them are out and they're like we have news and Saul um and them like basically break the news that they've been secretly having a gay affair for 20 years and yeah they've just been our beards <laughs> yeah and they want to divorce their wives so that they can get married and they yeah. basically just like and they're like oh so you invited us out to dinner at this really nice restaurant we have like just got like a seafood tower in front of us so that we wouldn't cause a scene you don't think we'll cause a fucking scene and they just start a food fight in the middle of the restaurant or like screaming about fired <laughs> yeah it's so funny but that can happen I think breaking up in a restaurant is dicey (laughs) but yeah yeah it's so funny funny. and then when they like work through everything they end up having a really good relationship like all of them and they're like kids and everything yeah and they're all very funny like characters yeah I've heard it's like it had really good reception and stuff and people that are watching I didn't know like like, you're just getting on it (laughs) yeah I didn't know when I started watching it it's actually from the uh creator or at least one of the creators of friends is the creator of like this show so yeah I think I had heard that it was maybe based on correct me if I'm wrong but like on two actresses that have had long feuds like they did like maybe loosely based on actresses that had long-standing feuds I don't know see now I don't know I just know the her last name's Kaufman I can't remember her first name she's the one friend's creator um oh I was watching like a panel with them yeah I was watching a panel with them and they were talking about how they got the idea for the show and she said she got the idea from the show from like her 19 year old daughter that like offhandedly was like wouldn't it be funny if like this situation happened to somebody and uh, yeah and then they ended up just workshopping it into a tv show over the course of the next couple years that's a good premise (laughs) it's so awkwardness ensues (laughs) yeah awkwardness like half of the time Lily Tomlin or Frankie is like getting high and just yeah smoking weed or yeah Yeah, they're like full-on smoking weed (laughs) like 
I don't know, probably a third of the episodes. And when they're not <laughs> doing that, she's like Tibetan throat singing and <laughs> like doing all this her inner stuff. hippie. <laughs> yeah, she's nice. so funny. I love her. She's a good actress. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, I oh. found out, has loved her for like decades and stuff. So my mom had like watched oh. all the show and then, yeah. <laughs> pretty cool they're funny I'm almost done it I'll have to put it on the Netflix watch list <laughs> yeah it's not too hard to get through the episodes are half an hour and there's like uh 13 of them per season there's seven seasons like so you can blow through it pretty quickly that's what Ressa says about I have to watch the our flag means death which yes I have on crave Okay, I haven't watched it yet, but I have it. I'm pretty sure I have it downloaded. Okay, when I heard, I think I inadvertently almost started a podcast about a pirate today, and then they were like, "If you watched Our Flag Means Death," and I was like, "Oh, it's about this pirate guy. Maybe I better not listen to this episode." (laughs) So I think I know who it's about, and there might be a pirate in Outlander, sort of named after him, because there's a pirate named like Steed Bonnet, and there's a Stephen Bonnet in Outlander. I don't know if you've come across oh, okay. him yet if you got to he probably wouldn't be till like season four maybe three they four. just got uh <laughs> fuck what's the, young ian just got kidnapped by pirates yeah oh and my then, god i'm just so glad you met young ian he's a great character yeah <laughs> and then claire is what she went on the one ship because they were dealing with some outbreak and then they basically the end of the episode was them like she was supposed to be going back to her ship with Jamie and then they were gonna go with them to like help and then they're like no you're gonna stay on our ship and like the ship with Jamie on on it's gonna just follow us right she comes on their ship they're like we have a disease do you have a surgeon and she's like of course it's me (laughs) and then they have like a typhoid outbreak or some shit yeah by the way everyone's dying and we're gonna kidnap you because you're a doctor (laughs) or a nurse whatever yeah a witch whatever we think you are (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's rough i for our flag means death i've seen a lot about it online and i watched the trailers before it came out i just i'll watch anything with taika watiti like come on oh my god yes He's so funny. I love him and I can't wait for the new Thor movie. I the charisma in that man. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I love (laughs) we could talk about that for days, but we better not. (laughs) Hi. Hello. Gordo's investigating. Is he? And he's back. Hi. Hi. He's gonna lay beside me. <clears throat> I'm gonna sleep in so much tomorrow. I'm so looking forward to it. Oh, you can hey. sleep in. Yeah, that'll be good. I was on markdown today, so I got up at 4:45. That's why I'm yawning. Ay. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. I'm sure it's it's not because we're boring. <laughs> All right. It's because she tired. <laughs> well I will try and keep you awake with this story (laughs) oh should I start again are we gonna cut that out (laughs) 
anyway, it's real. We're real. You guys are here for it. You love it. <laughs> we don't pretend to be perfect. Nope. <laughs> um, all right. So I have a story for you today that um, is sometimes called apparently the poisoning of egg birth. So okay. there you have it. <laughs> um, uh, it's also just known in my notes as the Florence Maybrick story. <laughs> okay, so. it doesn't sound familiar right now. A lot of the poisoning ones I found when I was like researching a case, I was like, heard of that, heard of that, heard of that. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I'd heard of like so many of them. It's like, oh shit. But this you know, one is ringing think... a bell. So. I don't think I even looked up cases because I think when we had decided on this and then, well, I'll tell you why, because I heard this on Ye Old Crime when I was listening to their episode that featured our promo in it. I think it was oh, episode, okay. yeah, it was either episode 98 or 99 and it was called Maybrick She Did It <laughs> or something like that. And it's okay. yeah, it's great title. So yeah, shout out to Ye Old Crime for giving me it. Like I enjoyed it, um, and yeah. So I wanted to to cover it here because I had never heard it. So I wondered that if you hadn't either. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, it's it's kind of old. So Florence was born on September third in eighteen sixty two in Mobile, Alabama. I gotta get no, sorry. I said Alabama without even really meaning to, so I don't know what's happening. She was born Florence Elizabeth Chandler to mother Caroline Chandler DeBerry and father William George Chandler, a former mayor of Mobile and partner in banking firm St. John Powers and Company. Her father died before she was born, and her mother remarried when Florence was 10 to a Baron Adolf von. Rock. Rock. Ooh, a Baron and a Vaughn. Okay. <laughs> like, you know. And an Adolf. <laughs> you know he fanced. He a Baron and a <laughs> I know. I th- yeah, I think a Vaughn is common in some German names. I have a friend who's a Vaughn Semmler. Yeah. <laughs> Very, I always liked it, though. <laughs> um, this man was a cavalry officer in the 8th uh curasse no i don't know i read that like it was a french pronunciation but it's a regiment in the german army so who's to say <laughs> Somebody Maybe my sister been. knows <laughs> honestly here i'm sometimes like no i got this like i and then i'm like go to say it out loud nope <laughs> yeah that's me every time even when i have like phonetic typed out how to pronounce it i'm like i'm gonna I'm not usually as worried about it unless I'm going to have to say it repeatedly. Then I feel like it's a little disrespectful to constantly say it incorrectly. It's me when I get to my case and have to say the family name, which I didn't look up how to Uh pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I say that like about a hundred times. Cool. I know what we'll be doing on the break. No. (laughs) Listening in my earphones. Well, some weird person on the internet tells me how they think it's pronounced in a robot voice (laughs) yeah basically siri tells me how she thinks it should be pronounced (laughs) 
Kelsey Anderson. <laughs> Basically. Put the balls. I know. Um, Florence and her mother took a trip by ship to the UK. And on board, Florence met a handsome gentleman by the name of James Maybrick. And James was a cotton merchant from Liverpool. You love a Liverpool. Liverpool. I'm being attacked. Fuck you, Gordo. Don't fight me. Get off the table. Little dick. Back off, you fucker. Get your own sandwich. Hey, uh, rude. Get off the table. I saw that. I'm a witness yeah. to that assault. He was going at ya. Now he's going to try and attack my feet. Go away, Gordo. <laughs> Jesus. Gordo, you're not helping this situation. <laughs> no. Um, he was almost 30 years her senior, so it caused a bit of a scandal when they started spending a lot of time alone together on the ship. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, although, I don't know. There's the, you know, the 1700s when I'm like reading the Outlander and stuff and there are people with easily 30 or 40 years difference between them, right? You know, and it's like, it's so weird how they regarded age back in some olden times. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I find that weird because you think about like the life expectancy they had too. So like 50 was like 80. <laughs> so if there's a 30 year what? age difference, it's like a 20 year old 80 and 80. <laughs> I think it definitely makes a difference because yeah, it was shorter because you could just go at any time. I mean, a lot yeah. of the times people don't consider that the age, the average age was lower because you could die in like chi like childhood and infancy just as easily too so it kind of you know what I mean like yeah. evens it's it out or whatever it. yeah um but yeah she was about 17 to 19 depending on what article I could find and yeah he was 42 so it was roughly 23 to 25 years or so so yeah it was a fairly decent gap <laughs> um but I don't know if her mother was there. She didn't, from what I read, not, had no problem with it. Apparently, she probably liked that he was a businessman. A businessman. <laughs> yeah, so they got along swimmingly and were married the following year, the 27th of July, 1881, at St. James Church, Piccadilly in London. And they moved to Egberth, a suburb of Liverpool. Um, <laughs> keep thinking of the Beatles show we watched every time yeah. I go to say. Liverpool. They did some really good Beatles, like Ringo and Paul McCartney, and good accents when they, you know, they had like audio piped in that I was like, that can't possibly all be their audio, right? During the like Cirque du Soleil show, I thought some of it was people doing really, really good Beatles impression accents. I don't remember. You know what I mean, just like talking in between the songs. Anyway, it's not important. I'm apparently I don't remember tan, tan, tangent today. Um, help, I need somebody. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they moved to Egberth and their home had a name. I love this. It was known as Battlecrease House. Okay. I mean, 
if I had enough money, I would buy such an old house that basically looks like almost exactly like the creepy house from the new season of Stranger Things. And oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm that like, yes, yeah. <laughs> I would love it. Um, but I don't even think I think you just decide if your house has a name. Or I remember I was trying to tell Pat when we bought this house that we should give it a name because we could call it Skyview Manor because our neighborhood is called Skyview. Oh yeah, already... and you have a bunch of rat, a uh, bunch of rat, a whole bunch of raw in your the rock yeah yeah there's some rock features like a, a rock wall kind of yeah the guy liked river rock there's a shower that's got the smooth river rock yeah. stones you got a tree is, stump sink or a yes. tree trunk sink <laughs> these beautiful things are lovely in hotels because you never have to clean them <laughs> all the grout in between all the little rocks <laughs> they tell you <ya. laughs> my own penance for owning a beautiful home but yeah I was like we should call it Skyview Manor and he was like okay <laughs> but then again I love Skyview it sounds so pretentious I mean when can't yeah. you see the sky <laughs> it should be Skyfall <laughs> although one time the I think it was the the V or the W got knocked off on the sign for the Skyview I <laughs> you so it, it was something fell <laughs> it can be sky ew sky, sky ew, ew. <laughs> except ew is spelled weird oh my god it's better than some of the names in alberta um <laughs> so yeah they loved having company over to battle crease house <laughs> and going out to social events or out on the town but their marriage wasn't without problems, however. They did have arguments about finances after those became strained. And James apparently had to try and curb Florence's spending, or Flory, as she also liked to be called. So I might call her Flory. <laughs> Flory. Flory, it's cute. It's Flory's story. But <laughs> she loved to spend, and she would just take out loans using her jewelry and apparently against the land that she was supposed to inherit in America. So I don't know how dumb oh. bankers were, but she was just taking out loans and spending whatever she wanted anyway. <laughs> so he traveled to the States a ton for work and infidelity added another strain to their already strained relationship. Um, cause James had numerous affairs and one mistress actually had five children by him. Oh, wow. I think he was a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of Charles Lindbergh from when we read that book for book club. He had a whole secret family. I don't remember. <laughs> yes. To, the be, airplane to be fair, other than a couple of those books, I basically skim read them. <laughs> okay I think that one appealed to me the most and I remember it the most because it had a true crime aspect because the Lindbergh baby kidnapping was in it because the baby yeah gets, yeah that's yeah that but yeah I don't know that was one of the only ones I liked from our book club some of them were way too religiously overtoned or just too boring <laughs> yeah 
there was a couple that I I really enjoyed but yeah I think I'd rather be part of one of the ones like if we did a spooky one like with our podcast or you know some I think some podcasts and different Facebook groups will do more themed ones because then you're more likely to enjoy kind of the same material I think but yeah we could try it let us know you guys book club book club (laughs) we could do lives and talk about it or oh my god the only books recently I'm reading are basically (laughs) the still the Black Dagger Brotherhood books oh yeah I just I just power read through like three quarters of one of them last night or at like 300 pages <laughs> this book and then oh my god I was, yeah you could have I, a like, vampire themed book yeah I closed it like on my know. kindle and it was like oh sweet what's next and I was like oh shit I'm still a book behind in this series <laughs> I was like damn it and there was another like one the supernatural a book series it's got yeah. so many seasons <laughs> what between all the offshoots she has now there's like 30 some books meanwhile I'm I am like rereading like outlander books which are like I don't know how long those ones are to be fair but these ones are usually like close to a thousand pages and I'm like oh no these are like 400 (laughs) right so then it takes the authors like a couple years to get them out and stuff for these yeah this is three or four hundred pages and she releases yeah. At minimum one of these books like within their world every six months sometimes quicker like she just pumping them out it's fucking crazy I mean wow. I'm long-winded I guess I like things that are <laughs> wordy no <laughs> I like quick stuff too I do yeah all right I should get back to my story I'm so sorry because I already know the ending so <laughs> that's why I'm off track um okay what did I say oh five children she mm-hmm. had he had five children by one mistress so Florence in turn sort of responded by having an affair or two of her own with uh one with a businessman I keep saying businessman named Alfred Briarly, which James found out about and he became angry and they had a terrible argument where he hit her and apparently gave her a black eye and tore her dress. So wow. very, it, um, yeah. I can't think of the word. <laughs> For like their argument, like unhealthy no I was gonna say um when like somebody does something or somebody gets mad at somebody for doing something that they already did oh my god hypocritical yes okay fucking yes punch her in the face and give her a black eye for cheating on you when you fucking have five kids with another woman like fuck you right no correct you're so right I don't know why man (laughs) I'm so bad with words today I literally forgot so many words and I was having a hard time at work trying to explain me no big brain time yeah no brain time. Well, to be fair I was like I don't know what you're trying to say and then I'm like probably just because I processed this story earlier and now I'm just like I don't know yeah my brain's like aren't we done for the day you're just reading words right we don't have to think about them oh okay so yeah they have a volatile relationship (laughs) 
They made a deal apparently after this that he would pay her shopping debts and that she would stop her affairs. <laughs> so still no mention of him having to give up his mistress and other family. <laughs> I'd pay my own shopping bills and then continue having affairs. <laughs> What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Um, Another time they fought was after Florence found out he was providing one of his mistresses an allowance of a hundred pounds a year. Hopefully the one with the children. <laughs> That's all yeah. I'll say. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like enough for five kids. I know, but it was 1880-something. <laughs> I guess. Maybe it's a lot now. Uh, somehow they managed... Michael Scott's book. No, somehow I managed. <laughs> somehow they managed to have two children during their relationship, uh, Gladys and James Jr. They didn't say Jr., but he's the second James, I would assume. <laughs> Unless oh, okay. their grandfather was James. So I'm going to call him James Jr. Um, and he had scarlet fever, but survived with like apparently no lasting damages. Because um, I know you like, you can get blindness and stuff from that like mary from little house in the prairie after she has scarlet fever and then laura has oh, to okay. describe everything to her um so yeah there was some sickness with the with the kids there like with him and then james senior himself was a bit of a hypochondriac he was wont to try any new tonic or elixir um, and many of these were known to have poisonous chemicals in them including arsenic but it was thought by some at the time that a little bit of this stuff could improve overall health and for men act as an aphrodisiac. So nothing like a little arsenic poisoning <laughs> to get the blood flow. <laughs> Jesus. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah. He's he's taking it like microdosing, maybe. I, it's almost because they like kind of knew they, they mentioned that yeah it's poison but it's a little bit so it's almost like they're like we're microdosing on poison it's fine and I'm trying like, to build okay. up immunity to it <laughs> what is it they always say on um wine and crime there's ghosts in your blood do cocaine about it <laughs> about old-timey <laughs> medicine <laughs> Which, yeah, they did like to bloodlet a lot. <laughs> yeah, my thing is always throw some leeches on it. Feels There's like bad humors. Hmm. <laughs> oh, wait, we can't give you that blood back. <laughs> All right. Some other tonics he took had strychnine, belladonna, phosphoric acid, and arsenic, as we mentioned, in them. Um, there was one like over-the-counter solution called Fowler's solution was like a common household tonic with arsenic in it at the time. That um, sounds vaguely familiar for some reason. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but not from your case, maybe? No. Hmm. Um, by the end of April 1889, James felt ill. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry complaining of stomach pains and like numbness of the limbs. Um, some sources said that this was not long after a double dose of strychnine. Oh, you don't say. 
I know it's so hard to say it with like a straight face. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, apparently strychnine is a white odorless bitter crystalline powder that can be taken by mouth inhaled or mixed in a solution and given intravenously and strychnine is a strong poison only a small amount is needed to produce severe effects in people i mean i guess i thought that was a better description but it, it's a poison and they are just like go ahead it's great <laughs> <laughs> his doctors treated him for dyspepsia which is apparently just like a fancy name for like indigestion heartburn general stomach problems but he only grew worse he was given a digestive aid quote unquote <laughs> that contained okay. prussic acid acid and hydrogen cyanide oh sounds lovely <laughs> At this point, you're probably you've just like, given okay. him everything on the periodic table. Like at this point, can he take yeah. any more? Yeah, his doctors and like himself, because he's just like yeah. I, he's just taking everything like, you could possibly stop. take. Just drink a vial of mercury and <laughs> and on May eighth, Florence wrote a letter to her lover Alfred Brierly. Uh, a love letter that was intercepted by the nanny Alice Yap who had no great fondness for Florence so Yap then intercepted all letters from Flory to Briarly and passed them on to James's brother Edwin so she's like she's cheating on you I'm gonna give this to your brother <laughs> cool but Edwin shared them with their older brother, Michael, the apparent head of the family. So I think he was the oldest. They definitely said he was the leader, which I guess is why Edwin shared it with Michael and not with James, who was the brother that was actually getting cheated on. Although, again, he's cheating, so <laughs> the yeah, morality why is do all... his brothers... Oh my god, I will never understand. Men? No. <laughs> No, people that are like such hypocrites like that, like you said, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's definitely a double standard going on here in this time, like, at least by this family. <laughs> so it's somewhat surprising that Edwin shared this with Michael, the head of the family. Also, in part because Florence was apparently also sleeping with him, <laughs> James's brother. So he clearly knew she was having affairs. If it's true, right? Yeah. He's like, he's oh, Michael, now being such a having an affair. Yeah, he's being such a dick to his brother then. Oh, none of them are great in that family. Oh, they all sound like terrible people. <laughs> On Michael's orders, Florence was stripped of her title of lady of the house, um, but he didn't actually kick her out on the street. But in fact, she was basically the opposite of kicked out. They kind of put her under house arrest and didn't let her go anywhere and just shunned her. <laughs> okay. Okay. And on May 9th, a day after the love letter was found, a nurse in the household noticed that Florence seemingly tampered with a bottle of Valentine's meat juice. 
I'll just let that one simmer. <laughs> I think it's like a beef broth. <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, she apparently took it into the bathroom with her and um, it came back out with it and like he was going to drink it, but it was later found to contain, contain a half grain of arsenic. Um, but Florence would say that he wanted it as a pick-me-up. So I'm like, who's to say he loved arsenic? He was taking it intentionally before. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, so, of course, he grew worse and worse, even under the doctor's care, and eventually passed away, or rather, not, not quite eventually, because it was just on May 11th, 1889, he had begun being really sick kind of in April sometimes. So it was about three weeks from what I recall. Okay. Um, Once his brothers found him deceased, they ordered an autopsy done. They wanted a medical examination. There's a bunch of, I know you say you usually can't hear it. I can hear a bunch of kids outside the door, but it, or the window, but the I mic's hear probably it not picking it up. Sometimes when it's like, when you're not talking, it's really quiet. Okay, yeah, there was a few kids just... It's not very loud. Okay. Um, yeah, sometimes on podcasts, they'll be like, oh my god, my cat, or the outside, and I'll be like, I heard nothing, or I'll be like, oh my god, your cat was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> very small trace amounts of arsenic were found in James's body, but not enough to kill him. And it obviously didn't prove who had given it to him, if anyone. The only cause given by the medical examiners of death was inflammation of the stomach and bowels set up by some irritant poison. Yeah, everything he intentionally took and then his doctors proceeded to give him. <laughs> They're basically like, who the fuck knows what this, what this guy drank? Yeah, they're just um, <laughs> giving him everything. Yeah, it's it's a it's a rough time to be alive, apparently. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, Florence doesn't have it easy because suspicion quickly falls on her because of the strife within the family. You know, they his family really didn't like her at all. This American. <laughs> I mean. Except for maybe Edwin, who knows if they're still sleeping together. <laughs> but she was accused of using flypaper to obtain the arsenic, which was common, I think, at the time. You could get extract arsenic from flypaper if you like soaked the strips in some water. Oh, um, yeah, I think I heard of that when I was looking at cases. And to be fair, she did do that so soak flypaper and arsenic, apparently. But only like to make herself an acne cream before a big ball. <laughs> because they just didn't care or didn't know enough. You know, it's like when they had yeah. like lead in all of their makeup. I feel like this is kind of in the same vein. You yeah, know? it's the. Where are those girls? <laughs> the. I'm really bad with words today. The, when they had lead in the dresses, you mean? Let's no, do. that um, the famous poisoning of those girls that were doing the paintbrushes and the glow-in-the-dark watches, the radium girls. 
Oh, I don't know that I really know that one. Holy shit. It's like brutal. <laughs> Your eyes just went like so big. <laughs> yeah. Radium, I... like radium BC? Or like, well, it's, no. Radium is like the thing that in um radioactive shit. Yeah, it's what gives okay. stuff that like glow in the dark and the guy that found it the oh, glow yes. in the dark okay. like paint or whatever they were using it for the military for watches. Um so oh. they would paint the dials of the watches so that the soldiers could read the watches at night. But the paintbrushes would lose their fine tips so the ladies were like dipping it in the or before they like they'd paint like a number and then they'd have to put it in their mouth to like oh, moisten no. it and get the tip back and then they put it in the paint. And they realized no. like their skin, it got bad enough. Their skin was glowing and it started getting put in beauty products because everybody thought it was like, ooh, you like glow. <laughs> and then they're like, literally their jaws and stuff started crumbling. They turned to powder no. and they lost all their teeth. Some of them basically like lost half their faces, like basically crumbled and Oh, it was they probably there. knew that something could happen to those girls the people in charge of the factory my god well, well they all like hushed hushed it and they were trying to unionize and stuff and like the girls were dropping like flies because they'd be in the middle of talking their jaw would like fucking no! break and like they would they'd go to the dentist and the dentist would be like yeah and would just reach into their mouth and pull out their jawbone and be like without surgery having cut anything open would just remove pieces of their jawbone like oh it's fucking disturbing there's pictures online of them i've heard about it on like a bunch of different stuff but they I had to fight the think... government and everything um what? because they needed they were making all these watches and all the doctors and everything at the time were like, yeah, it's perfectly safe. We don't know what's sure. happening and stuff. We don't know why these like making hats. You're not yeah. going to turn out like a mad hatter, a mad hatter. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Some of the I stuff. don't like that. But like the ladies <laughs> too were like, oh yeah, we'd go home and it was the biggest. They were making like, I don't know, 20 or 30 times what people like what women made in like as like secretary jobs and everything at the time in these yeah. factories so they were like the sought after jobs so every time somebody right. died there was like 20 people that wanted their job oh they just kept funneling them through oh no it so it's, yeah they don't have the position to be able to be like well what happened to the last person in this position because they but it was like a long time ago so people were just yeah. like falling ill from different stuff but the girls all yeah, thought it was like yeah, yeah. beautiful so they'd like paint their eyelids they'd paint their faces they'd use it as lipstick like oh so bad yeah because it was the okay. whole thing it was glow in the dark everybody thought it was so cool and nobody really understood how poisonous what they were doing was i might not be able to focus on my case now because now i like it in like oh i don't think i'll ever be able to hear the term there like jaw dropped without thinking about that yeah. thank you oh it's brutal i keep holding my freaking cheeks yeah. like oh i kind of i'm reminded of uh 
episode of the doomsday podcast that i listened to the history's most dangerous podcast mm-hmm. where there was a random medical looking type piece of machinery found kind of in the middle of an old abandoned facility and people were like scavenging for parts or something and they were like oh this looks really like valuable and it has a little window on it but they couldn't get into this glass window so they were like chunking at it with different tools and stuff until they could get into it and it was like oh god oh god you shouldn't do that why are you doing that it's obviously so close for a reason because it turned out it was like for treating cancer patients so it was to let out like this tiny little pinpointed ray of like radiology like what am I trying to say here radiation yes thank you (laughs) radiation like hot like yeah in like this tiny pinpointed little area but only like kind of it was almost like a camera click right it was like only if the viewing thing was open or whatever but this so say they were like just jamming and just breaking their way into this like viewfinder because they're like oh we see this pretty light inside and it's like yeah that's fucking radiation and then like apparently somehow some of it got brought home to someone's like little girl who was like playing with it and like putting it on her face and putting it in her sandwich and stuff and that's what that just reminded me of oh it was horrible like a shit ton of people died (laughs) I was like oh my god I can't remember what the it fucking is um I'll have to find out from my dad but my grandfather apparently had like uh, a piece of something that was radioactive like in the living room it was like some sort of rock and like nobody knew it until my dad was like older or whatever and then they found out yeah it was like sitting in their living room yeah that's insane they're like oops guess it wasn't too much <laughs> wasn't that harmful <laughs> yeah it was we're something. alive <laughs> it's like a well-known Jeez. like thing I just can't remember what it was he was given like the piece of it by like somebody like it was a big deal but yeah anyway I'm sorry um where did I get to okay oh probably at the top of this page I don't remember saying this she was arrested and charged with James's murder. She stood trial at St. George's Hall, Liverpool, before Mr. Justice Stephen, which was, I was like, was that his name? But no, it was like his title. He was yeah. Sir James Fitz James Stephen, first baronet. Oh. <laughs> it's like the laziest name. It's like when they can't think of something. No offense to my uncle Bob Roberts, but sometimes names are just too repeating. <laughs> yeah. My aunt just said she was listening the other day. So hi, Aunt. Uncle Bob. <laughs> Bob's my uncle, okay? <laughs> Perfect. He's awesome. Um, but she was actually convicted and sentenced to death. So that happened. But the public took a bit of umbrage with this. I mean, as I would. 
and newspapers ran many pieces and op-eds about it and crowds shouted her innocence. So the public was very much on her side. And after this, Henry Matthews, the Home Secretary, and Lord Chancellor Halsbury came to the conclusion that, quote, the evidence clearly establishes that Mrs. Maybrick administered poison to her husband with intent to murder, but that there is ground for reasonable doubt whether the arsenic so administered was in fact the cause of his death. Or everything else combined. Which, how they know they think they can prove that she intended to murder him is beyond me but uh, yeah. okay then I think the important part is that eventually her sentence was commuted to life and new evidence was eventually publicized quote-unquote by fans of Flory but there was no possibility of an appeal at that time and the home office it's called aka the home department which is a ministerial department of the uk government um they were not inclined to release her um and they deal with immigration security and law and order so apparently they got the final say i don't know okay but she had many advocates for her innocence including lord russell of Killowen, the lord chief justice which he sounds important why the hell couldn't he do something <laughs> Yeah, Lord Chief and Justice. <laughs> Although, like, yeah, I remember from working at, you know, a historical settlement like King's Landing, they had, like, justices of the peace, almost, like, almost as common as, like, judges or something. Like, they have a very fancy title, but I think they were almost more like a combination judge or a sheriff or something, you know, like, kind of yeah. like one in every town. I don't know. I don't know about this, this title. The case became incredibly well-known, and this is in a, a time of newspapers on both sides of the Atlantic. I, I just meant, like, news had to travel kind of slowly, <laughs> but it's still oh, ended up, like, yeah. in, in the news, in all the newspapers and stuff. Um, no one could pinpoint a solid, solid motive. Um, they did have relationship issues, but they weren't prevented from divorcing. I mean... For a time, they both wanted a divorce, it seemed like. And James didn't leave her much in his will um, after her affairs were out. Again, yes, hypocritical, but <laughs> she arguably would have had more money staying with him than killing him or, you know what I mean? It wasn't like she was going to get a big insurance payout. Um, and other theories would include maybe just the shame of divorce, but I just don't see that as a motive i guess um or fear of losing her children in a custody battle and it's apparently that in her memoir mrs maybrick's own story my 15 lost years we'll get to it florence describes the following as she knelt down by her late husband's bedside death had wiped out the memory of many things i was thankful to remember that i had stopped divorce proceedings and that we had become reconciled for the children's sake okay so she makes it sound like they did kind of make up before the end i don't know uh but she was convicted and served her time at woking walking w-o-k-i-n-g 
district female convict prison up until 1896 when she was moved to Aylesbury prison. Um, her first nine months were in solitary confinement. Then she was moved to a different regular cell with the rest of the population, the prison population. Um, <laughs> but this place had a so-called silent system, so she was not allowed to talk. So oh. that's fun. <laughs> yeah, apparently some prisons did this. It was a thing. The silent system evolved during the 1820s at Auburn Prison in Auburn, New York as an alternative to and modification of the Pennsylvania system of solitary confinement, which it gradually replaced in the United States. I mean, they still use solitary though, but apparently yeah. the Auburn system penal method of the 19th century in which persons uh, worked during the day and were kept in solitary confinement at night with enforced silence at all times. That's what it means. They had to just wow be silent. <laughs> just sounds like the most horrible like boarding school rule or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was not great for her mental health. She called it by far the most cruel feature of the English penal servitude. I guess they were using it in America and everywhere. I don't know. She suffered insomnia and a general decline in mental health, but after a probationary period, she was allowed to work, carrying food and meals from the kitchen to the cells. And after a stint in the infirmary, likely just brought on by the drafty and dank conditions, she was transferred to Aylesbury. And then finally was released in January 1904 after 14 years. Sorry, I need a breath. She returned to the U.S. and lectured for a while, traveling, lecturing on prison reform, and then became a recluse living with her cat companions. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> living with her cat companions. Her cats. <laughs> no, that part sounds quite peaceful, actually. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, after her lecture circuit. Um, so she spent her last days with her kitties in Gaylordsville, Connecticut. More than me. I just had to include that as well as the fact that she died penniless on October 23rd, 1941. Just so I could say penniless. <laughs> um, but also James Jr., her son, became a mining engineer after the children were eventually raised by the family doctor. Because okay. why should their father raise them, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so James grew up to be a mining engineer in Canada, but then he accidentally drank a glass of cyanide that he mistook for water and died. I'm so sorry. All right. Isn't that a tragic ending? It's just like, what? What's wrong with your whole family? Oh my God. So while that's the end of Flory's story, it's not quite the end of my segment yet. Because we would be remiss not to mention one more thing about James Maybrick, the senior, that is. <laughs> he is one of the possible suspects, and some people believe he is the best candidate to be Jack the Ripper. Oh my God, really? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, some people think so. <laughs> yeah. Which I was like, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old timey cases. Um, a diary was found that purportedly belonged to James Maybrick, and in it were detailed descriptions of the Whitechapel murders, of which some details were apparently only known to the police. Um, I have a quote. In 1992, Michael Barrett, a former Liverpool scrap metal merchant, produced a journal which he claimed had been given to him by a friend, Tony Devereaux, in a pub the previous year. Although the author of the diary doesn't actually identify himself by name, it is quite obvious from various personal references and from other information contained within the journal that the diarist is meant to be the Liverpool cotton merchant James Maybrick. Maybrick. Or I liked how they put it in one article, the Liverpudlian cotton merchant. Liverpool. Liverpool people are called. I love it. It's pretty great. I'm trying to remember where our Scottish pod friend was from. I know he lives in England now. Um, that's... Okay, so there were references to a Sir Jim found throughout the diary, a nickname that apparently James used while he was in the United States. Pardon me. Um, the authory of the diary, the authory, <laughs> okay. The author of the diary makes reference to catching his wife in a, an adulterous embrace with an unnamed white chapel fellow. I think I might've got that wrong. I thought it was a Liverpool guy. Anyway, but he only calls her the bitch or the whore. The sighting sent the offer into sent the author into a rage and he went on a killing spree killing the five women in Whitechapel. The diary ends with, I give my name that all know of me so history do tell what love can do to a gentleman born. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Other hey. sources contradict this saying the diary repeated mistakes that had been in the papers. Boo. Not as fun, but maybe maybe it was just written by somebody who wasn't the killer. Like obviously yeah. we don't know. Obviously, no way to know. Um, but the second clue, <laughs> again, kind of circumstantial clue <laughs> to tie Maybrick to the Ripper is a Victorian pocket watch. In 1993, a man named Albert Johnson bought an antique gold pocket watch that had an inscription on it. On the inside it read, I am Jack. J. Maybrick, along with all five of the confirmed victims' initials from the Jack the Ripper murders. Okay. It's, I Googled it. You can sort of find pictures on it. It's like very hard to tell what the inscription says on it. You know what I mean? It's, they described it as being scratched on the back rather than like a, professionally oh. done inscription so i found it very difficult to read but it so i didn't put like a a picture on the drive or anything but it can be looked up um it's interesting <laughs> uh, i just okay, go so back to i feel like if he was yeah. going to be jack the ripper why would he go on a killing spree for his wife cheating on him when he was cheating on her before that just seems kind of weird <laughs> Like, yeah. for you to have that, like, sort of a crazy reaction to it, especially if right. you find out, like, one of them's but... your own brother, if he knew that, like, 
fuck. I know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the the motivation they present there either. But also people that are really controlling in their relationships, like abusive people, also can be really, really jealous. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. They're like, I can do it, but you can't. But like, I totally agree. I think it's a like a stretch for the motivation and the oh and then I went on a killing spree when it didn't seem like he it seemed like they got in a fight and that was about it right like he yeah had a fight with his wife I don't know um but yeah then there's watch um it was examined and found to basically consist or co whatever with the time frame like it could have been from the right time frame so they obviously can't tell if it's his um hang on I got my messed up paper I gotta make out now <laughs> remember I showed you oh geez <laughs> uh, I just turned my light on so nothing is conclusively proven but he did have a good knowledge of the east end area in London having lived there and that was the Ripper's hunting ground and he had his trips to Liverpool for business that meant he could nip out of the city at a moment's notice to kind of escape attention. So that's been noted. And there was also a Victorian photograph of one of the crime scenes that showed the letters F and M on the wall behind the body. Florence Maverick, perhaps? <laughs> hmm. uh, maybe a revenge killing, some people say. Uh, and one author named Shirley Harrison does believe this wholeheartedly that he is Jack the Ripper. Um, and she apparently also asserts that he is a serial killer that was active in Texas in 1884 to 1885. This killer was known as the Serpent Girl Annihilator and had oh. killed eight people over a two year period. Um, that was three years before the first Ripper murder. So they, maybe, they had eight victims total. Seven of them were women, one man, and all were attacked with an axe while asleep in their beds. Three were severely mutilated, and all of the victims were posed in a similar manner. And six had a sharp object of some kind or another inserted into their ears. Don't know why. Um, only one person was ever arrested in connection with those killings. Um, he was arrested for killing a, one of the women, his wife, Eula Phillips, but it was actually overturned. So no one's been officially named in this one either. Oh. So he could possibly <laughs> be. I haven't heard of that case either. A serial killer. No, me neither. I'm li- I let the old shit. I don't know anything about, you know, anything from the 1800s. So yeah yeah that's my case wow that was insane <laughs> i was not expecting jack the ripper to me oh, such a cool twist that's what i liked about it <laughs> oh sorry that went so long though <laughs> that's okay it was actually only six pages that's good for me but yeah we might need to still take our usual quick break between our segments yeah which for you guys is not a very long break at all because we're yeah. usually right back <laughs> yeah all right welcome back wait what about all that wonderful banter <laughs> just kidding <laughs> recording yet doesn't count no. um we will 
we cut out we cut out some for you guys you're welcome (laughs) three hours Um, later (laughs) there's been tangents within tangents within tangents already i don't think we've Uh, talked to each other in a while okay (laughs) yeah when i was editing the episode or finishing editing the episode that we post like tomorrow um when i was editing it yesterday i was talking about how yeah we recorded this and it was like did i say um and we said it was like june 2nd so it was like a week yeah. ago yeah i was like wow <laughs> i know sometimes yeah. a lot of shit happens in a week and i just save it all up to tell you <laughs> yeah um Oh my god, I already forgot how to pronounce the name. Okay. Stout, I think it was Stouty. Stouty. I'm going to do. Um, so, so this is the uh, murders of the Stouty family. And Ooh, family. Yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of annihilators. <laughs> yeah, this one's kind of weird. It, it piqued my interest when I was reading it, for sure. It's like... And I hadn't heard of it before, too, which was kind of interesting. So oh, yeah, that's always yeah. good. Um, in 2012, the Stoughty family was living in Springfield, Missouri. Missouri. Springfield, and, Springfield. Sorry. Simpsons. Um, <laughs> the, I know, as soon as I read that, I was like, she's going to talk about the Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> Because there's 17 Springfields and you never know which one they're in. (laughs) And so the mother of the family is Diane and she was trained as a nurse. She was basically the breadwinner of the family. And her husband, Mark, was, he didn't really have like a job. He basically stayed at home and looked after the kids and was kind of working as like a local musician he was playing in a band uh the whole family was i guess pretty active or at least regulars in the church uh it is said that diane herself the mother was very active in the church so i guess she did a lot of work with it i didn't really like this it didn't really say specifically but it just always talked about her being pretty active in it I mean, you can volunteer for extra stuff that's just cleaning it, from what I know. I know my mom would be like, yeah. once a week, sometimes be like, oh, I'm going to clean the church. And she'd go and like vacuum it and stuff. It'd just be like kind of a volunteer thing that you'd do. Like you can do tons that's of stuff, nice. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> clean it up so... for God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Diane and Mark ended up having four kids. there's sean the oldest who's 26 sarah is next she's 24 and rachel is 22 and there's a nine-year-old brianna some sources say she was 11 um but so she's still pretty young anyway based on the ages of the rest of them she's like a decade younger than the other ones so yeah (laughs) That's yeah. immediately what you notice. You're like, were you an oopsie? <laughs> yeah, 26, 24, 22, and 9. Uh, <laughs> we had her when we were 57. No, I don't know. 
That's what a 57 year old sounds like, by the way. 57. I have no teeth. <laughs> it actually would have been because Mark, the husband at this time, is 61 and his daughter's okay. nine. So they did have her when he, oh they were in their 50s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's quite late for normal. Yeah. <laughs> they had the rest of their kids pretty late, too, their 40s. Or late 30s. Right. A little bit of a late start. <laughs> yeah. No so, reason to chain up your wife, though, like in China crimes, just because you got married at 33. <laughs> chain up your wife. <laughs> um, let's just say this one uh, flips it. Diane is quite the piece of work. Um, oh, no. I have a whole lot of quotes from her. And let's just say they're pretty terrible. Uh oh. So, yeah. Diane described her children as, quote, little professors. They all had their little special interests, but boy, they knew everything about their special interests. <laughs> okay. Um, part of this was probably because Sean, who was 26, had autism. And he was living at home. And the youngest, Brianna, who's around like between nine and 11, don't really know because she's underage at this time. She also had learning disabilities. And Sarah, who's the second oldest, she was a university graduate. She had had pretty high grades, but after she graduated, she had been unable to get any sort of job and therefore was unable to pay back her very high student loans. And this forced her too to be living at home. Right, as I'm yeah. sure so many can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> and because of this, Diane basically and very openly favored her daughter, Rachel. Oh, basically no. in her eyes could do no wrong. Ew, yeah. why? <laughs> right the economy sucks <laughs> and Rachel's yeah. just the youngest that isn't out in it yet she's the youngest right you said no she's the second youngest Rachel's oh, only 22 sorry. um but Sean and Brianna okay. have learning disabilities and then Sarah has college debt that basically and what Brianna's the to. youngest yeah okay so on April of 2012, the Easter Sunday, 61-year-old Mark dies very suddenly of what's believed to be natural causes, most likely oh. due to his unhealthy lifestyle. Okay. It yeah. can happen. <laughs> yeah. Knock on wood, not to me. <laughs> his bandmate said that he had been acting kind of strangely on the Friday night before so that was Sunday so a few days before the weekend started he was slurring his words and they said that his skin kind of appeared yellow huh yeah and according to police reports Mark had a ring of blood that was discovered around his mouth at the time of his death and Ooh. the police, as I said, determined his death was natural causes. So they had no problem cremating his body and releasing his ashes to Diane, which were then scattered. It said that they were scattered into a lake. 
somehow I feel like they're going to regret cremating him. Yep. Oh. With the $20,000 life insurance payout the they received after Mark's death, Diane moved the family to, it was the same town. Uh, it was just a bit of a nicer part of it. Because hmm. it's only $20,000. It's not a whole lot. They're on the south side uptown now. I don't know. <laughs> Why is it in my experience the south side always has more money? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she says living on the north side. <laughs> um, it definitely wouldn't be. Is it Chicago <gasps> they're in on Shameless? side maybe but that just reminded me something i wanted to tell you that might not be that significant to you but i was renewing the license plates the other day as i do with my job and sometimes if i come across names that are familiar i get a little excited and i came across a name that i knew and it was bret hart and i was like that's a wrestler and i was like is that not the wrestler that like i knew the hearts the Hart family is big wrestling family out of Alberta. And like they had a thing in Calgary, Stampede Wrestling, that was really big okay. and like trained a lot of like um, athletes there. And Chris Jericho went there, who I was, I think I was talking to you about him off air earlier, but is from Winnipeg and is Pat's favorite wrestler. Um, and he was the one, oh, yes, because I had been listening to an episode where he had a girl on that was from that cult that I was. Mm, talking about um but uh yeah I renewed license plate for a very famous wrestler named Bret Hart and I was like oh my god I thought he was dead oh no that's his brother oh he's alive (laughs) that's pretty cool yeah yeah he's like he's like in the WWE Hall of Fame like in wrestling he's like pretty famous so I was like oh my god and I told my boss and I got all excited and then I texted Pat Anyway, I'm glad that came up because I had been meaning to say something if anyone cared. (laughs) Anyway, you got to nerd out at work. You don't get a lot of fun things. If there's someone like sort of famous that you know, then you've got their like license plate and address in front of you. You're like, whoa. (laughs) I guess, yeah. I don't have access to any of that anymore. Of course, I can't look up anything for fun. I would get fucking put in jail. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, back to the Stout family. Back to the The, show. Yeah. Um, So I think it's still, it must be still in 2012. Yeah, because that was, so Mark died in April. Yeah, so this is five months later. Okay. Are we ready? Five months later, 26-year-old Sean suddenly (gasps) died in the family's home after experiencing flu-like symptoms. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's like I forgot we were doing poison crimes. He's so young. Mm -hmm. That cannot be natural. No. Um, But they do rule it as like basically natural causes um, like unknown so he, sort of uh they kind of narrowed down so he died at home after experiencing flu-like symptoms I assume over a few days during the okay. autopsy they discovered a familiar ring of blood around his mouth 
but his death had been ruled to be caused by prior medical issues because along with the autism he had, he did suffer from a seizure disorder. So they thought maybe he had a seizure and that's what the like blood around his mouth was from. Hmm. And Sean's body was released and also cremated. No, no. So five months (laughs) apart, two family members. Yeah, five months apart, two family members have died. Right. And And one of them very young and in the prime of their life, arguably. Eh, Just you wait. (laughs) June 2013. So less than a year later. Eldest daughter, Sarah, 24, was rushed to the hospital by Diane and her sister, Rachel. Sarah was put in the ICU, the intensive care unit, with a brain bleed and severe organ failure uh, with her kidneys and her brain. Oh, my God. Yeah. And while she was in the hospital, her doctors basically believed because of her symptoms that she may have been a victim of poisoning. So they were kind of watching the family at this Right. She didn't have any history of any medical problems, I would imagine. No, No, she was just the one that suffered from debt. That was literally the only thing. Debt, like student loans? Yeah. Okay, sorry, just making sure. (laughs) So at the same time Sarah was actually in the hospital, there were samples that had been taken during Sean's autopsy, and these finally came back. And they revealed the presence of ethylene glycol, which was one of the raw components of antifreeze. Oh my god, that's why it sounds familiar. Mm Mm-hmm doesn't sound like anything you want in your body no the test results have taken a long time to come back because the tests for ethylene glycol are not typically even part of the toxicology screenings that they do in autopsies so this was like a special thing that was sent off and this testing was not done during sean's initial autopsy so i guess he had an autopsy more than once because they obviously with him being cremated they would have had to do it like a couple times before he was cremated right maybe there's just a traditional one and then one where there's like actual foul play and like it's more in depth I don't know yeah yeah I didn't really find any information about why more than one might have been done but happy that it was done at least Mm -hmm. so As I mentioned, Diane and the family were pretty active in the church. So while this is all going on, there's a pastor, Jeff Sippy, S-I-P-P-Y, Sippy. (laughs) We kept wanting to call Skippy in my notes, but it's Sippy. And did you mean Skippy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He is the local pastor for the church that they attended. And after Sippy Cup. Sorry. That's pretty good. Uh, after Mark and Sean had both died within five months of each other in 2012, and now less than a year later, Sarah in June of 2013 was suddenly rushed to the emergency room 
the pastor Sippy, he knew that something was wrong. He believed, quote, these circumstances that these were circumstances that needed to be investigated. Nice. Good. Yeah. So he was speaking or while speaking of Mark's death, the father's death, uh, Pastor Sippy said, quote, there was nothing in me that believed that this was of natural cause. And this was when he spoke in his first time publicly speaking about the Stout case, quote, I, hmm. I don't believe he died of a stroke, a heart attack or in his sleep. I just didn't. There's nothing scientific. There's nothing professional about my observation. But my first words were no way he did not just die. <laughs> yeah wow he's like i'm not gonna give an official statement just to keep my ass clean but that is no way what happened holy shit yeah. that's his first impression <laughs> uh he does take it one step further because after sarah was admitted to the hospital pastor sippy called and made an anonymous tip to the springfield police oh yeah so the armed with the tip and their own suspicions after re reviewing the like mysterious deaths of two other family members in less than a year and their cause of deaths being reviewed there's a detective mick amos and he visited the hospital where sarah currently was receiving treatment so wow. he goes to the hospital with this tip and he ends up talking to the nurses and doctors who say that Diane has been acting quite strangely while visiting her daughter in the hospital. Oh, no. You want to guess what she's doing? Because it's shitty. She a pile of <gasps> shit. Um, no, no, I don't want to guess. <laughs> okay. Uh, she's joking about Sarah's condition and just talking in detail about her upcoming vacation to Florida. She doesn't care that her daughter's organs are failing including her brain she sounds very tone deaf I was like yeah I don't know I'm scared that if I guess that she's poisoning her that I'm gonna be right or not I don't oh know. oh my god that would have been good them just blocking in on her poisoning them <laughs> I did hear a case about that where the wife kept visiting the husband in the hospital and she was constantly lacing all of his food and drinks because he wasn't dying and so she like oh literally God. poisoned him like 30 more times in the hospital it's like holy shit woman crazy like, but why would they suspect someone that's your family member and they're supposed to be this someone you trust that's yeah. why they only let in people you know supposedly you should trust but oh yeah immediate family and then um, sometimes they're like, is your husband hitting you? And they're like, why are you asking me so many times? They're like, oh, sorry. Like military members and cops are known to be like prone to domestic violence. We just had to make sure. <laughs> sometimes it's the opposite. <laughs> um, all right. So this is like kind of a combination of two quotes from the detective McAmis. Uh, he said, I ended up speaking with the doctor that was taking care of Sarah as well. He told me that they performed several tests. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And he said he was suspicious that it was a possible poisoning case. Um, so Diane and Rachel were bought, brought in for questioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only two left, or 
I guess two of the three left. So uh, Diane yeah, denied true. that she was intentionally harming her children, but because she's a piece of work, she did tell police that she may have just slightly delayed bringing Sarah to the hospital because Sarah was quite a difficult child. Nope. Yeah. Um, that's uh, not something that's cool to admit to anyone right? or do. <laughs> um, so child this protective is... services. <laughs> right? Oh, wow. So from a police interview she did, it was, uh, this is what she basically said to them during her initial like questioning, quote, I didn't hurt my kids. And that's what I feel like you're insinuating I did. I may not be the best, or I may not be the best mother in the world, but I didn't hurt my kids. This is when she was being interviewed by uh, Detective McAmis. But she did say, really? quote, when Mark died, it was actually a relief. I just don't tell people that. I don't know what else to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, um. So... <sighs> So it was sorry. Yeah, when she's like, I didn't hurt my kids. I don't know anything else you can say, but I didn't hurt my kids. It's like that whole thy doth protest too much. Yeah. It's like when people just say, I could never do this. I could never do this. You're like, okay, yeah, you did that. <laughs> yeah, let's just say we haven't even gotten into it. Uh, so Diane eventually confessed to police that she was intentionally poisoning uh, or she did intentionally poison and kill Mark and Sean and attempted to kill Sarah. She revealed okay. that she had mixed antifreeze with her husband's Gatorade and then later on with her kids' Coca-Cola that they like yeah. drinking. And continuing with her interrogation, she told McAmis when he asked why she did not bring her husband to the hospital she said, quote, I hated his guts. I guess I just had enough. And okay. you know, divorce is a thing. <laughs> right? Like, holy shit. Um, wow. She then says that she poisoned her eldest child, Sean, who was 26, because, quote, Sean would be interfering with whatever I would do. He was more than a bother, more than a pest. Okay, ma'am. That's enough yeah. out of you. You go to jail. Oh, now. I have plenty more. <laughs> um, she continued, uh, I am not a perpetual killer. I'm just stupid. I agree. I I regret doing it. I really do. I've screwed up everybody. I've screwed up my whole family. Yeah, because you murdered you half of them. Um, and you decided you didn't like them anymore. Yeah, wow. basically. Diane admitted to putting the antifreeze in Sean and Sarah's drinks multiple times over a two-day period. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know how long she had to poison her husband for. That wasn't really mm -hmm. talked about. And so if you remember, she's brought in, but her daughter, Rachel, who's 22, is also brought in for questioning. Okay. So Rachel initially 
denied any involvement in the poisonings and said that her mother only ever talked about hurting herself, but not about hurting others. However, police conducted a search of the house and uncovered a journal that was written by written by Rachel. I believe it was hidden in her closet because that's where like the pictures are. Oh, I forgot to say there are pictures in the drive. They aren't super important, but you can see what it looks like. Um, okay. So the journal was written by Rachel. I believe it was found in her closet and it contained confessions of helping her mother research different poisoning methods and helping plan the deaths of their family members. Okay. Um, they had to research that. Yeah. The entries, or there was like multiple entries. One of them that's often quoted said, quote, it's sad when I realized how my father will pass in the next two months. Sean, my brother, will move on shortly after. It will be tough getting used to the changes, but everything will work out. And it was dated June 13th, 2011, which was nearly a year before Rachel's dad died. Oh my God. So she knew what they were going to be doing over almost a year before the first family member died. And and how do we know? Oh, yeah, she was in her 20s, right? Yeah, she's 22. Oh, old enough to yeah. know better. Mm-hmm. So oh, I feel like I had new family that knew people that had their same couch. They got that like <gasps> classic old. As, remember you used Is to say you had your part? ugly couch pants? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah it like... does remind me of ugly couch pants. Almost like a brown floral print kind of, yeah. So very like, I don't know, 80s. Yeah, I think my family had a very similar couch. It just had, I think there was like some wooden stud, like kind of details on the arms. Yeah, oh, totally. Those things would just last forever and get passed down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So armed with this journal with like detailed confessions, they bring this up to Rachel while she's being interrogated. And so she's presented with it. And she tries to say that the entries in the journal were actually about a dream that she had about her okay. family members dying. However, that's basically stupid. And she does end up confessing and telling police that they had researched different methods, uh, her and her mother, including pills. And um, that's really the only thing that's talked about before they ended up settling on antifreeze. She further this told must be police cheap or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know exactly why they went with antifreeze, but there's a reason they even went with the specific antifreeze they did. Oh, um, it Rachel always seems tells, like, yeah, cheap and almost like not ineffective but not as clean as other methods maybe I don't know yeah seems unusually cruel to like I don't know poison someone or make them ingest something like that yeah um so Rachel continued on while being questioned by police saying that her mom bought the antifreeze online specifically because antifreeze that was sold in stores 
I believe legally has to have a bittering agent added to it to prevent accidental ingestion. Yeah. Um, and quote, okay. she'll take the black it, market shit then. Yeah. Um, and wow. quote, because in general, you could put it in something and you couldn't taste it. And she wanted a specific tasteless one. Oh, no. Um, originally, the plan was to just kill the dad, Mark. But Rachel said eventually Diane convinced her that they needed to kill her brother, Sean, too. Um, during her interview, she told Detective McAmis, quote, Sean, we argued on a lot because I still think we could have put him in an assisted living, but she wanted him out. Sarah oh was equal. Oh, it's brutal. Uh, Sarah was equally unneeded. We could have found some place for her. She was very adamant on that. Or she was very adamant on that Sarah was just a burden and that Sarah needed to be taken care of. I mean, clearly she feels like anyone in her family is going to be a burden, especially if they're not willing to help her with her murders, this mother. Right? Yeah. Oh, and I feel like I use that term loosely, mother. Ugh. Yeah, this is like brutal. This woman should have never had kids. What a bitch or Rooney Dooney. Um, Rachel then told uh, Detective McAmis that she and her mother only took Sarah to the hospital because uh, Diane was worried about the smell that it would leave afterwards if she died inside the house. Uh, quote I didn't want another one to die in the house because houses after or because houses are nasty after somebody's died in it this is Rachel to Detective McAmis quote I get a lot of nightmares after Sean died I moved into his room and it was awful 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 in there I kept feeling things in there I didn't want that again okay maybe just stop killing people yeah um <laughs> rachel was or rachel then kind of threw a bombshell and a curveball say at detective mcamus and revealed that her 9 to 11 year old sister brianna was planned to be next after sarah was killed well why is she a burden now because she's a child and she can't yes literally because she's yet? a child oh my god yeah oh yeah um so over these she people. said <laughs> yeah this is like the worst thing that's what i was like what the fuck is this lady's oh. problem right um, oh so rachel was telling the detective quote i know there's no way in hell i'd be able to take care of her meaning brianna um i couldn't take a care of me so how would i ever take care of her so you know oh my god she you take care of until she was not until she is nine they basically can take care of themselves at that point yeah um obviously did not feed her poison (laughs) right oh um so obviously Mm. diane and rachel were arrested and charged with the deaths of mark sean and they called it the assault of sarah because she's I'd not dead more... quite yet no right. um so during the trial diane entered an alford plea which i didn't actually know about until i watched the staircase 
Um, oh, so the, yeah, I don't recognize yeah, that. The Alford plea is something that you can do. Um, it acknowledges that the prosecutors do have enough information and evidence to convict you without actually having to admit whether or not you're guilty. Oh, one of those. Yeah. yeah. So I'm she not didn't saying have... I did it, but I'll take the I'm saying blame. you can convict me that I did it. Um, oh, because why does that need to exist? Oh, my God. Right? It's very confusing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Diane enters this Alford plea and is able to be sentenced without having to admit guilt to the two counts of first-degree murder. And because of this, she's sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. And she's actually was sentenced only in 2018. Um, So it took a number of years to get this like through trial. Our cases Um, are so far apart. (laughs) (laughs) Like 200 years. Is that Uh, right? Yeah, it seems. It's at least 150. Yeah, holy shit. So when speaking about Sarah, um, who was the last to be poisoned, Diane said, quote, I'm sorry for what she went through, but you know, I'm sorry for what everybody goes through. I'm sorry for what I've had to go through. Okay, lady. Yeah. We're sure you've had such a hard life. I mean, maybe she has some, I mean probably obviously she has some mental illness or is not mentally yeah, something's well. going on right but still it's so hard not to not to judge those kind of words as a mother it's, it's yeah difficult to hear I'm yeah like, she sounds so brutal when talking about her own kids so cold um so rachel the daughter that was involved she ended up pleading guilty to second degree murder in 2015 as part of a plea deal she made in exchange for testifying against Diane, her mom. And Rachel okay. ended up receiving two life terms with the possibility of parole after 42 and a half years. Oh, wow. That's yeah. So that's she's more still than got I really harsh. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm satisfied with that. Like, yeah. If that doesn't give you enough time to reform, <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, that she'll get out when she's like, what, like sixty-five, Ooh, or no, yeah. almost seventy. And this is her entire life, okay. basically. Yeah. Uh, and then due to the poisoning of the family members from the antifreeze specifically. The Stout family murder case is also very commonly called the antifreeze murders. They always got to give it a catchy nickname when people can't remember the friggin' family name, right? Yeah. (laughs) And just following basically the only information we have about Brianna is that she was placed in foster care. Okay. Um, After that, I don't. I don't think I have any sort of update about anything after that for her. Um, hopefully, I do have some, the other family privacy. members. Yeah, hopefully yeah. she's doing better. So in the 2020 interview, that I'm not sure when this happened. Uh, I think it might have been within the last few years, but 
Diane actually now maintains her innocence. She denies that she ever poisoned her family and goes against her like confessions that she made and says, quote, I said what I was told to say. I'm saying there is more to that than people know. And this was in her like exclusive interview she had with 2020. <laughs> and Diane okay. says that her husband Mark's death was due to his involvement with what she calls bad people and goes on to say that he had oh. issues with hard drugs and alcohol. Okay. Doesn't yeah. mean you die. <laughs> right? Uh, she says, quote, Mark was with some people that are very dangerous. People have disappeared. I was told in jail that Mark had been green-lighted, which was referring to a possible hit that had been placed on her husband. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, and then she goes on, quote, I'm saying somebody probably came in and gave him something end quote and she now also claims that she too was poisoned she just can't prove it um okay yeah and um, well were you guys all taking arsenic at the time or <laughs> was it just a sign of the times um so this was all like in the last couple years she's kind of flipped this saying mark was in with these bad people she doesn't really mm. seem to have it excuses about her kids deaths or attempted deaths um but right. before 2022 diane had never said anything about mark being associated with dangerous people and there was never any evidence that anyone but diane and her daughter rachel were like basically just um the main people behind the deaths of the family members yeah um, the last little bit I have about the case is just about Sarah. So she was poisoned, um, but she did actually survive. She oh didn't end gosh. up dying. And she, uh, I, I listed as partially recovered. And mm. she now lives in assisted living and she suffers permanent damage from the poisoning. Um yeah so she's basically in assisted living for the rest of her life like even after so she was poisoned when she was 22 and, and was she she uh, cognitively challenged before or was she no she was just the wasn't? one that had the she just had the like tuition debt that was oh. like literally the only thing as her mom said like oh, she was a difficult kid and oh, like okay. stubborn and that she had debt and was right. living at and home because this... she couldn't get a job okay so it's all a result now yeah. of the physical yeah trauma. just from the poisoning yeah. yeah um Rough. so when she was probably I don't know if she was conscious when she was on the hospital or what was going on but when she was eventually told that she had been poisoned specifically by her mother and sister, she didn't actually believe it. Um, I mean, how could you at first? Right? Yeah, it would have been, like, terrible. And Sarah actually now maintains a Facebook profile with information about the murder case, as well as a banner 
a profile banner photo of her father performing with his band Messing with Destiny. Aw, cool name. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah was given the opportunity to read the following statement in court, um, which is how I ended the case. It was, quote, I prefer to be a survivor than a victim. I forgive my mom for what she did to me, but she not only took away my dad and brother, but she took away my lifestyle, livelihood, and my independence. Oh. Which is sad. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah she had to uh, even with the forgiveness in there you know that she had to do that for her to move on to have a life right uh, you know in so much as she could right yeah that's like your mom and choice. your sister like right you and could, now your younger sisters and like your year yeah in foster care I don't know if they ever like mm. found each other or talked again or what oh so it was hard to find any information about Brianna some sources didn't even say Mm -hmm. her name um just because she was underage at the time so yeah Yeah. oh you just can't freaking help who you're born to you're goddamn lucky when they're nice people right Right? holy shit but like this mom what the she gets tired of her husband her oldest kid has autism so she gets sick of him the next one goes off to college and gets debt and can't get a job. The next one's her golden child that can do no wrong. And then yeah, like 10 years later, you have another kid that has learning disabilities and you decide to like murder all but one of them. And you're going to be planned to murder four of, of your six family members. Like, do you think she maybe suffered from some postpartum depression? or something I don't know it's like she keeps having kids and then has this yeah problem with them this psychological like what the fuck they're not good enough or you know what I mean it's just so like this weird reaction to like I don't know I would assume you'd have to be pretty loving until they're grown up but then they're grown up and you're like well fuck that I had a psychotic break you're like it's like I don't understand yeah all the like sources said like made a point to and it was kind of bad like be like and the kid lived at home and the kid lived at home and this kid still lived at home so it's like hey okay but (laughs) you have kids they can generally live at home at any time they're your kids you're like yeah you shouldn't fault them for it especially in this economy they might have a hard time getting a fucking job (laughs) yeah in 2012 the economy was like barely not shit from 2008 like right like yeah this one was crazy though i had never heard of this case before and i probably wouldn't have covered it if it was just the mom but I thought it was kind of crazy that Mm. like the mom's golden child and her basically planned this for a year and like nobody knew until they were three murder or almost three murders in. Exactly. Right. I know I love a good (laughs) yeah I know we try to be respectful and everything but I still love a good twist in the story. still like not what you're expecting you're like I've never heard that one either that one sounds totally new to me I don't know but good on like the nurses and doctors that 
were watching and good on this pastor who called in his anonymous tip and everything so it could have gone completely under the radar I suppose otherwise that's kind of scary too yeah absolutely because I mean they did get passed off as natural causes because of they did say that Mark had an unhealthy lifestyle um so he very well could have died of natural causes and then Sean was like linked Mm -hmm. to his seizure disorder that can be too much of a red herring yeah there was Mm -hmm. a weird case I heard that I hope to cover so I won't spoil it too much but just because someone like smokes cigarettes or eats candy doesn't mean that they just died of a random like heart attack or something that you can't find evidence for it can still be something else it can still be something crazy or unexpected or uh, unnatural yeah man that was fun I like poison crimes and I think we should do it again because I said to you that I found another one that was kind of I was like I don't know if it's poison because it was like more of a toxin but then there's yeah you're right there's like poison gas and there's just all sorts of different poisons I thought I thought maybe if it wasn't something that you ingested like eight it wasn't poison because I thought I remember reading that it was poison if you ingested it and toxic what was it something to do with this this snake bit somebody in outlander and they're like oh just because it's it bit you and it's poison like you know what i mean it's what was it if you (laughs) i'll get this if you take a bite out of it and it kills you it's poisonous but if it bites you and it gets you sick like a snake bite and then you get sick because the venom then it was considered toxic they're like, it doesn't matter. We can still eat the snake. It just bit you. It's just toxic. It's not poisonous. We can still eat it for lunch. Oh, I think I've heard that quote before, but I never really understood it. Well, like I said, I can't say too much because I don't want to spoil you on Outlander or anything. But yeah, <laughs> poison versus toxic. Oh, anyway, I'm really excited for our next one too because that's going to be another haunted. And those are so yeah. Yeah, it should be a good one. Very creepy places yes. we'll be talking about. And yeah, you guys like the historic haunts, I think. We did a historic prisons, and this is going to be very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Very historic, institutional, historic yeah. sanitariums. <laughs> yeah, sanitariums, yeah. asylums, whatever. All that really creepy shit. <laughs> yeah more hospitally treatment or poor treatment places I guess than just treat prisons but places full of yeah very disturbed energy I would imagine <laughs> yeah prisons of a slightly different kind although the prisons one was so crazy all right well hope you'll yeah. tune in next week and yes thanks for listening <laughs> yes bye
This has been Castles and Cryptids. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and our YouTube channel. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. On our website, you can listen to all of our episodes as well as view pictures for each of our segments. Check out our Patreon page to view all of our tiers and become a Patreon supporter today to unlock monthly bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We are working on an Ask Us Anything. You can submit questions by social media or by email at castlesencryptids at gmail.com. Do you have a spooky ghost story, a creepy cryptid sighting, or a thrilling true crime tale you would like to share and have us include in a future episode? Send us your listener story by social media or by email. Please include the name that you would like mentioned. Our music is by Kobe Affair. Our logo and artwork is by Antonio Garcia. Thanks for listening!